This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today we are welcoming Nedra Tawab. Nedra is a licensed clinical social worker, and she works out of North Carolina. She runs a popular Instagram account where she shares tools and reflections for mental health and hosts a weekly Q&A about boundaries and relationships. And if you couldn't guess, today she's here to talk to us about boundaries in motherhood. Guys, you are in for a treat. We talk all about what boundaries are, how they are essential for self-care, and how we can practically navigate setting boundaries with people closest to us, like our moms, our mother-in-laws, our partners, and even our children. Before getting into all the good stuff, I just wanted to share a review with you this week. This comes from Mama Bear of Two Little Bears, and it says, hits home. Erica does an amazing job of speaking about those taboo subjects within motherhood that so many others won't. It's so refreshing to listen to her and the other professionals give advice on how to deal with those issues. Thank you so much for leaving this sweet review. I absolutely love that you guys show up in this space with me. I'm here for you to know that we have a tribe. I hear you. I see you. I'm in the trenches and I'm here to support you in whatever way I can. So let's get to it, guys. Let's hear from Nedra. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Nedra, thank you so much for being here with us today. I've been following you for quite some time. I will admit I'm a little bit of a fangirl. I always anticipate the things that you're going to post and absolutely love the perspective that you bring. So thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Can we talk a little bit about in getting to know you and getting to know how you got on Instagram and got this presence that you have? There's like a new movement towards therapists showing up in these social spaces. And I know as a therapist myself, there's always been a lot of apprehension about showing up online. And um, I don't know, we just haven't really been in that space much. But you're really kind of leading the pack and in the forefront of these therapists that are putting themselves out there educating people through Instagram. Can we talk a little bit about how you started up your Instagram page and how that came about? I started using Instagram about two years ago. And I would say just this year, I switched up my style a bit and it really started to take off. And I 
I'm a firm believer that people need the information. And so there is an appreciation for therapists saying things um, from a clinical perspective and then also in these very real and digestible ways. So I am so, you know, I'm always surprised at the, the feedback and the welcoming environment because we've always been in this space of helping people with self-care, helping people with boundaries, talking about anxiety. And I think Instagram has just been a wonderful platform to be able to further that conversation, provide some information for folks and to build community around these things that so many folks struggle with. Yeah. And one of the things that I have really noticed and that I do appreciate about your page is, like you said, how digestible you make some of these topics, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we're talking about things like boundaries, and that's sort of what we're going to focus on today. Mm -hmm. When I talk with clients about boundaries, boundaries are kind of like this vague thing that like we kind of understand, but we kind of don't. And practically, what do they look like, you know? But you're really good at just simplifying these complex things and putting it out there in a way that people can understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have found that there are so many amazing books and resources have that therapists have access to. And when I have um, like suggested to my client, hey, you should read this or you should look at this. It's so um, jargony that they have a hard time really understanding and digesting the information. So in my sessions, I already started to like break down these um, these concepts that we have all of these, you know, therapeutic terms for that people don't really understand. They don't understand like mother wound and, you know, just all these words that we use, there needs to be some simpler um, definitions and more clarifying statements so people can understand how to connect to this stuff. People hear boundary, but when you think a boundary is cutting people off or giving them ultimatums or drawing a line in the sand, you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I have boundaries, but what about you know saying no, prioritizing your time? Those things are also boundaries. Okay. So it's, it's so important for us to just clarify. And again, I think that Instagram offers um, a wonderful space for us to be able to clarify what um, a lot of these therapeutic terms are. Right, absolutely. And you are a therapist who specializes in working with relationships and boundaries, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and lots of experience in that. So I find that um, a lot of your posts kind of revolve around those things, and they're so helpful. Mm -hmm. So can we unpack a little bit, like, what is slash what are boundaries? And then we're going to move into specifically for moms, like, the types of, of common struggles that moms have with boundaries. So but like mm-hmm. how would we kind of define it or help people understand what, what a boundary is? I define boundaries as a cue for showing or telling people how to treat you, how to operate in your relationships. Boundaries define your roles in your relationship. Um, I think it's a declaration of what is acceptable and what's unacceptable in relationships. 
it can be so many things and it can look so many ways. I think lots of times when we are thinking about boundaries, we we focus in on what we know, like saying no, or, you know, like I mentioned earlier, drawing that line in the sand. But it's also clarifying and letting people know what your needs are, telling them your opinions, um, asking for what you want. Those are also boundaries. It's interesting because as you're talking, I'm hearing that like boundaries are really different for different people mm-hmm. and they're different in different situations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so there's not necessarily a formula for appropriate boundaries that maybe in some cases there are, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because I was in, I was like speaking with a client um, like this week or last week and we were talking about not like boundaries as a form of self-care and of like preserving yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like preserving, I don't even know what it is, but like your energy, your own, like having something for yourself at the end of the day because you've kind of guarded and protected yourself. And the analogy we had used in that session was that like right now we're like hemorrhaging. It's mm-hmm. like we're bleeding and we can't stop the bleed. Like our our life is kind of being drained and we don't have anything left for ourselves. And how do we stop the bleed? And we were talking about boundaries as being the the system or the way in which we stop the bleed and we keep our kind of system functioning in a healthy way that we still have energy and things left for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, boundaries, you can't have self-care without boundaries. And I think a lot of times when you hear about people being burnt out, overwhelmed, poor self-care, to me, that screams there are issues with boundaries. There are some things in your life that you may need to set parameters on. There are things you need to say no to. There are things that you need to prioritize, probably mainly you, um, But there are a lot of things and areas that need boundaries. And I think that we don't think about boundaries as a self-care issue, but it really is the the thing holding us back from being able to engage in self-care as mothers, as partners, as friends. Um, It's a boundary issue. And like, who is more burnt out? than like a new mom, really, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think about that time in my own life and I think about like people that I work with and how can we like some practical ways or some, some things that mom can do. And like, I understand you're a mom and I'm a mom and we know what it's like to be in the trenches of that time where there are just these unique kind of demands on you, right? That self-care starts to look very different than it did before mm-hmm. baby and even different than when baby is a little bit older and doesn't depend on you as much. So mm-hmm. what are some practical ways kind of in the, that really like new mom stage that we can set some boundaries for self-care, do you think? I think one of the biggest ways that new moms can set boundaries is by being considerate of who you're allowing in your space. Um most people speak from experience and they are telling you the best thing based on their experiences. And as a new mom, we are so um, open to 
mental shifts. And we're so, you know, we're craving like that community and that feedback. But actually, in some instances, it can cause us to have a lot of burnout and feel overwhelmed because now we're trying to do all of these different things. Like we're trying to cloth diaper and we're trying to um, feed our baby organic food. And we're trying to like all of the opinions of other people. And I think it's very important that you map out a strategy for how you want to be a parent and a reasonable strategy. And that may not be what the folks in your community are suggesting, but you'll have to be able to kind of weave through that information and figure out what works best for you and not what works best for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's a major problem that um, like even when I pulled Instagram about this episode coming up and, and setting boundaries, like advice from other people was one of the top mm-hmm. things that came up. Mm-hmm. Like how do I navigate unwanted advice from others? How do I set boundaries mm-hmm. with family members, you know, or moms or mother-in-laws who have raised their own children and have their own opinions? Yeah, I think I, I too get a lot of things about mother-in-laws and I think having a clear idea of what type of mother you want to be and relaying your ideas to other people before they're able to say, you should do it this way. Don't even seem like you're open to feedback. And I think so many times we're like, well, what do you think I should do? And then when the person is honest and they say, well, I think you should do it this way. We're like, why are they giving me advice? Well, you asked them, you invited them in. Mm -hmm. Don't invite people into a space that you don't want them to be in. So having a clear understanding of how you want to parent makes it a lot easier to push your own agenda. When you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to breastfeed or formula feed. It makes it a lot easier for people to give you this unsolicited advice. So the first thing I would say is have a clear idea of what you want to do. When people offer that unsolicited advice, Develop a statement to say something back that is assertive, that shuts down the invitation for unsolicited feedback. And I think one of those things you could say is, oh, wow, I understand your opinion. You've raised three kids and I'm sure um, all of those things work. We're trying to do it this way. Right. Yeah. What you're describing to me is like, how, um, like I usually have said in other podcasts and I say with clients is having, knowing your mother or like parenting values. So if you Mm -hmm. know a value of yours is to breastfeed, or you know that you value independent play and like, you know, teaching your child a certain way, or you guys value whatever it is in the home that you and your partner have worked through that you value, then when you are sure of why you're making the decisions that you're making, you are going to be less like impressionable by other people's Mm -hmm. unsolicited advice, number one. Mm -hmm. And two, you're going to be less likely to compare yourself and the way you're parenting your child to like the next mom over at the baby group, you know, who is cloth diapering, but you've decided that that just doesn't work for your family, you know? Mm So knowing those values, having those conversations with your partner, or even just thinking it through and kind of writing them down for yourself, like, why am I making the decisions that I'm making? Why are they important to me? And, you know, having that list kind of forefront of mind when making decisions as a parent is extremely helpful to 
then set that boundary mm-hmm. to know this doesn't align with my values. This doesn't align with, you know, what we talked about in terms of how we want to raise our child. And I really appreciate that you're trying to help, but this isn't really in line with, with how we feel about whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand the person's perspective. Um, Like I'm, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, which is very cold. And I've moved to North Carolina, which is much warmer. So I remember when I had um, my first daughter, Um, my mom would say the baby needs on socks, right? (laughs) And I'm like, 85 degrees outside, you know, I think the baby would be a little hot. But in a colder climate at that time of year, that sort of thinking makes sense, right? And so I have to consider, oh, wow, well, when she had her kids during the winter time, this was the temperature. And so it made sense to always have a kid bundled up. So she's speaking from a perspective of this is what you do at this time of year that has nothing to do with me. Totally, totally based on their own experience. And like my husband and I, it's interesting. My husband is from Benin, West Africa, and his parents are there and I'm in Toronto. And so my mother-in-law, like they're so, she's so community oriented and I appreciate her so much. Like we have a really great relationship and she came and stayed with us for three months when, with each of our kids when they were born, like such a blessing to have that. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, so different culturally in how we raise and handle babies and things. And so like they do all of this infant massage stuff after baby's bath and like, you know, kind of like pick up their limbs and do these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my baby, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just so funny. And she always took my lead, but just being like exposed to her motherhood experience and, and a different perspective was also really incredible Mm -hmm. and we had like lots of conversations about how things are done differently and like I'm really um like car seats and all of these different regulations here are a big deal and car Mm -hmm. seats there aren't as much of a big deal so Mm -hmm. having to kind of navigate even these cultural differences um so it just takes lots of communication and lots of being open and understanding like you said each other's perspective and experience and where each other is coming from because at the end of the day especially if it's family members, everyone's goal is for baby to be like well cared for, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And somebody giving their input to you doesn't mean that it's a slight against your parenting. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I think that we get really, especially as new moms, we get um, like on edge or feeling like like if someone is giving advice, like it's a correction or like a like an assault on our motherhood ability kind of thing. But that's because we're new at it and we don't feel right. we don't feel like we're good at it yet. And so for someone to say anything, it's like, oh, my gosh, they see that I'm not good at this. Right. And so right. We, we take that on and we internalize it and we like I'm not being a good mom because they said blah, blah, blah. And it's. It's not personal. I think they are trying to be helpful. We have to remember that, but we also have to protect ourselves and set a boundary, particularly with people who are repeatedly giving unsolicited advice. One thing that I think is very helpful is to, like you mentioned, talked about talk about those different um, differences in culture, but also to you know blame it on the professional. That, you know, well, when I talked to my pediatrician, this this was the recommendation. And so the pediatrician is going to always trump 
um, mother-in-law, cousin, sister, whoever, because these are the newest recommendations for babies. So I think it's, you know, it's very important to say, this is not for me. This is not, you know, my personal opinion, but the pediatrician said that they need to be in a car seat until they're eight years old or whatever that recommendation is. Right. Totally. Yeah. And that comes down to so many things like moms who feel overwhelmed with just the enormous amount of information, Mm -hmm. often contradictory, often, you know, polar opposites when it comes to breastfeeding and sleep training and Mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, And rule of thumb for me, like you said, is to like in line with your values, but also to to find a professional that you trust and can feel like, you know, they've got your best interest at heart. They've got the most current research and this is what they're trained in and this is their experience and being able to rely on their experience with multiple families and multiple children to kind of know how to navigate the situation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that when you're a new mom, you mentioned like being impressionable. And I think that impressionable piece is so big And we don't recognize, like, even as a new mom, the power you have over your mom friends and you're saying these things and people internalize it and they start to think, oh, wow, should I be doing that? Should I should I be cloth diapering my kid? Am I doing a bad thing? So I think we personally have to be very um, cognizant of what we're imparting on other people, even if it's unintentional, because people are walking away with this says this about my parenting because I'm not doing whatever, whatever those yeah. things are. Right, right. Yeah, I think of um, like a story that comes to mind when you're saying that is um, being at a mommy group. And I was like, I showed up. It's like the day after I think um, we had one of my sons like circumcised or something like that. And one of the moms like overheard me talking to a friend saying like, oh, I feel awful, like, you know, and all of these things. She's like, why would you do that? Why would you like mutilate your son? Because her value was to not do that. And I appreciate that that's something that they don't do for their family or whatever, right? But yeah, like knowing your values for you and your family is one thing. Mm -hmm. Trying to uh, persuade others to your set of value systems, especially like you said, on impressionable moms who are trying to navigate their own, um, you know, new transition to motherhood, right, Uh, can create a lot of shame and guilt amongst moms. And that was something that when I first became a mom, I was not even remotely aware of, like the mommy shaming and guilting and things that can go on. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I think at the end of the day, in all of that, we all just want to feel like we're doing the right thing for our kid, Mm -hmm. you know? And in doing that, um, we don't have to put others down and and others making decisions for their family that are different than our decisions doesn't mean that our decisions are not right for our family. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think there is. I'm happy you brought up the shaming piece because there is a lot of mom shaming. And it's almost, you know, like I went on a trip, a retreat for a week. And some of the moms were like, do you miss your kids? Are you feeling guilty? And I'm like, I'm having a good time in this space. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. are you trying to make me feel bad for being present in this space? 
because I, I feel good being here. I don't feel bad about, uh, taking time for myself to, um, relax and rejuvenate and refresh. Like, no, I don't feel bad for that, but I think, uh, there is this thing that if you're not like constantly connected, you should feel bad. If you're not, you know, doing all of these things that other people are doing, you should feel bad. And I don't think that people are consciously imparting like you should feel bad about this, but they're saying I would feel bad if I did this. And we have to be very clear about separating their energy from our energy and not taking that on and starting to feel bad about things that you don't feel bad about or things you're not doing as a parent. We all make choices and we can't do all the things. And that's where that burnout and overwhelm comes in because when we start to digest everybody else's rules and we start to try to apply them, yeah, we feel very burned out because it's impossible to do all of those things, to to bake fresh snacks for your kids, to cloth diaper, to look nice, to all all of these things we cannot do. Right. And when we see people uh, with the facade of doing these things, we start to feel like, oh my gosh, well, she has four kids and I only have two. What am I not getting? What if there, mm-hmm. there is so much um, comparison and, and shaming and guilt that goes on in the community that I think is very important for us to be conscious of the way we want to parent. And where when, when we're hearing these messages that are against our values, our parenting style, that's when we have to start to set boundaries. And sometimes that boundary is internal. It's not always us telling the other person, hey, don't say that to me. It may be figuring out the sort of mothering community that you can be a part of because all communities may not be inviting. It may be um, having some protections in place with your your in-laws and saying, well, they can't stay for a whole week. They need to stay, you know, three days or for the weekend. It may be things that you have to do on your end to make sure that you feel well. Those are your boundaries to uphold. It may not always be, you know, I need to tell this person this thing so they can stay in their lane. Um, some of those boundaries are for you to execute with yourself in relationship to other people. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. 
Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc dot com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mealtime with kids can be stressful. But with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. It's interesting because as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about um, how sometimes we wear our like mummy guilt as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And like, let me unpack that a little bit. So like, like you're saying with your experience, you're you're away and you are just happy to be present in that space. And I'd say you darn well earned a little bit of a break as mom, you know, mm-hmm. to be away and to allow yourself to be relaxing and rejuvenating. But then there's almost this sense, this unspoken sense amongst moms that if you are not feeling guilty, then you don't care. Like, if you are not feeling guilty, then, like, are you really, like, a good enough mom? Do you really care about your kids? Like, do you really, like, the fact – so, like, we wear our worry and our mom guilt as, like, a badge of honor that when we're away and we're worrying, like, we're a good mom because we care about our kids. And I think that this badge of honor stands in our way of setting healthy boundaries within ourselves to actually allow ourselves to disconnect for a moment and to be present in other spaces without constantly carrying this, like – weight of of kids and mom all the time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think about it, you know, like let's say on a Saturday and I'm, I'm with my kids for that full day. Um, 
you know, about 730 is it's time for bed. And I don't feel guilty because I've given it my all. I've been PG all day. We've played, we've jumped, we've talked, we've, you know, maybe made some meals together. We've had a wonderful day. I think there needs to be a space, a boundary set where you can tune into yourself or tune into your partner or tune into your friends. It doesn't have to be all day, every day, mothering or parenting. I think that um, is an unreasonable expectation that your, your life would be completely filled with this role of being a mother. Um, I think it's a title. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's who you are. It's it's kind of what you do, right? It's like you are mothering. It's not like who you are. You know, I am I am Nedra, and that is a lot of things. That's you know, that's a whole lot of stuff. Those different things have different priorities, but um, I am not one hundred percent any of those things. Hmm. Hmm. And I like our identity becomes so tied to that title, right? It's so tied to that title that um, we feel like we have to have, you know, all of these things that has to be at the focus. And I don't think kids require us to do that. They want us to be present when we're with them. They want us to be present, um, you know, um, during those important times, they want our assistant with very particular things. We have to care for them. Going to work is nurturing your kids. You're providing um, financial security. Being with your friends is nurturing your your kids. I think that is time where you reconnect and you come home more rejuvenated. I think all of those things are so connected and we try to separate them and say, well, if I do this, I'm not doing this. If I spend time with my partner, that makes me feel happier when I'm with my kids. Mm-hmm. So these mm-hmm. things are so connected and we don't have to separate them and feel guilty about um engaging in these other areas of life or being present outside of our parental duties. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to boundaries with our kids, Mm -hmm. like I don't even know that I've really heard anybody talk so much about this topic because it's like moms and kids are like this. I have when they're older, but when they're younger, they're like, you know, this extension of yourself in a way. They just came from your body. They're like on your boob all day long if you're breastfeeding and things like that. But I think that boundaries are necessary even in those early stages, especially to try and find time with your partner or to try and find self-care times for yourself. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. Can we explore a little bit what boundaries could look like in those newer mom stages? I think a schedule, sticking to, you know, maybe not a rigid schedule, but having the schedule with your kids is a wonderful boundary to begin to set, to say, this is the time that we wake up. This is when we eat and this is when we go to bed. And for, you know, lots of kids, eventually they'll start to embrace this schedule and it creates this space for you to have some time to yourself, to have time with your partner. So I would say having a schedule is a wonderful boundary to have with your kids. 
I think that that's a really valuable, like insightful way to start setting boundaries with our kids. And I think that one of the frustrations initially is that newborns, they really kind of don't follow much of a schedule at first. And that's all part of the adjustment. But as they do start to fall into a schedule and as you do start to find a bit of a routine and like a normalized approach to life, then you can start to set more of that that schedule and set more of those boundaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that if we are consistent with those boundaries, kids typically will start to understand those boundaries. They will understand like, oh, she's giving me a massage. It's time for bed. Oh, I hear my little sound machine. Let me start to snooze. Those are ways that they start to um, get in line with, with whatever sort of structure we're setting with them. And that works for adults too. I mean, we need bedtime routines. We need structure structure. So we thrive off the same things. But I think for kids, um, it's a really great way to begin to have um, the the time and, and space that you want to create. And it's it can become predictable. So you'll know from 12 to 2, you, you have a break because your baby will be sleeping. You know from you know 7 to 10, your baby will be sleeping and then they're up for a bottle, these sorts of things. Now, you know, there is no guaranteed sleepers here, but um, yeah, so, you know, that's no guarantee, but it's a start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you've got like you're navigating baby and then you've got partner. And how mm-hmm. would you recommend going about boundaries with partner? Like particularly around intimacy and things like that after baby arrives. Mm-hmm. Again, this goes back to being clear about what you need. I think the biggest way to figure out that we need a boundary is to notice our frustration. Notice the things that are, you know, making you feel frustrated, like having to um, maybe wash all the bottles. If you start to regularly notice that you're getting frustrated, that may be a sign that you need to set a boundary. And perhaps that boundary could be to your partner, hey, I need help with bottles at least twice a week. That is an indicator. If you notice that after you've put the baby down, your partner is ready for sex and this is not the best time for you, it's irritating to you, that is an indicator that you need to set a boundary around um, maybe having sex at a different time of day or how to initiate sex after you've just hopped out of my mode. I think it's important to notice your feelings and your feelings will certainly let you know when it's time to set a boundary. I've never really thought about it like that in terms of indicators. Are there any other things that come to mind in terms of indicators, like that sense of frustration? Mm -hmm. Frustration, resentment, anger, um, feeling yourself um, becoming overwhelmed, Um, starting to like gossip about, you know, these sort of things like he never helps with bath or these sorts of things. Those are all indicators that you need to set a boundary because you are not feeling supported. So how do you get that support without, um, 
without telling another person. And sometimes that's impossible. And so we have to communicate, this is what I need. Can you help me? Yeah, I love that. And I'm really like always working with moms to assert and advocate what their needs are because we can't expect those in our lives to just kind of mind read and know what we need and and what mm-hmm. might come naturally to us or we might think like you know this is common sense or whatever i hear that one a lot mm-hmm. they may not even be aware of so i love that framing you know asserting your needs as setting a boundary with partner or family members or whatever. I love that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't read our minds and saying things are common sense. I think that when we think about common sense, again, we, when we think, we think about ourselves, right? And we're thinking about all of the things that we were taught and all of the things that we know. And then we use that frame of reference to say, this is common sense. And it's not common sense, it's you sense. And everybody doesn't have your set of senses. So some of these things need to be discussed and clearly um, you need to assert your needs because people may never guess that you want more help with bath time or you want more help with feedings or you want more help with, um, you know, taking the kids out with someone else other than, you know, doing it by yourself. Those are all things that you need to say um, to your partner or to your support system. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's you sense. I love that. Like it, it comes naturally because it's in your own, you know, thought and, and perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. coming from somebody else's perspective, it may not be such common sense. It's typically yeah. not unless, and I don't even think it's common sense if you're raised in the same household. It's like your sibling, you know, I think we all get something different and we can get the same lesson, but that doesn't mean that we have the same sort of takeaways. So I think it's, it's so important to recognize that everyone does not think like you. And so you have to tell people what your thoughts are. Yeah. Yeah. So with saying that, for people who really lack, <clears throat> excuse me, who really lack boundaries or like assertiveness skills, let's say, or kind of shy mm-hmm. away from conflict and have a hard time vocalizing their opinion, what may be some really practical ways or even kind of statements that you might know off the top of your head that they can start to build some confidence with in terms of setting boundaries or saying no or things like that? Mm -hmm. I think the easiest way to um, say no is to do it immediately. Oftentimes when we want to say no, we know we want to say no right away and we delay it, which gives us, you know, this longer period of anxiety, trying to figure it out, guilt, shame, all of this stuff. And we can say no a lot sooner than we do, if not in the moment of the request soon after. So if it's to a birthday party invite um, and you know that you have something else on that day around that time, instead of worrying for days about how can I make this work? How can I make this work? You can say, thank you so much for the invite. Um, Actually, we already have something we are attending that day. Don't count me out and please invite me to the next one. Yeah. 
Yeah, right away. And then you don't have all of that stressing of like, how am I going to overpack my Saturday with, you know, like three birthday parties and all the things, all the things, right? Yeah. One of my boundaries is a certain amount of birthday parties a month. (laughs) So I'm kind of like a a two birthday party uh, max. And when we, once we get to that, for me, it's like, no, like I'm, whoever came first, those are the two people who are getting a birthday party because with kids, I think it can get really, you know, overwhelming, especially if you have multiple kids, they have multiple birthday parties and you can, you know, basically schedule all of your Saturdays with birthday parties. Oh yeah. So, so what are your boundaries around birthday parties? It may not need to be that you say yes to every request. There has to be some space for, again, self-care, time with your kids without other people. So what are your boundaries around how many invites you'll say yes to? Yeah. It makes me think of a funny like situation this week. So my oldest started uh, junior kindergarten. So he's four years old this year. And he was going on his first ever field trip this week to a pumpkin patch. And he was going to go in the corn maze and all the things. Right? He's so excited about it. And I am back to work. I had a day full of clients scheduled that day. And he's like, mommy, mommy, like you have to come on this this field trip with me. Like I can't go without my mummy, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like I will miss you so much. I can't go without mummy. And I'm like, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Like, You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You'll be fine. You know? And I'm like talking to like other mummy friends about it and whatever. They're like, Oh, like, you know, can't you go and can't you whatever. And I'm like, but like, I don't need to go. I don't need to go. Part of me wants to go. Like, would it be so cute to see him at the pumpkin patch? Like, absolutely it would. Mm -hmm. But like, to me, disrupting my whole work week and canceling all of my clients and shifting mm-hmm. my priorities around completely mm-hmm. to like bending all of my boundaries sort of backwards, right? Mm-hmm. To accommodate this field trip just didn't work for like my values and my priorities. And also for him, because he also needs to learn to go and do things independently without his mummy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there and- were so many things happening boundary wise with that conversation. And I'll tell you, I am missing a field trip today. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that I, my calendar is already set. So if I don't know in advance, like you said, I cannot cancel my day to say, oh, let me do, you know, my boundary is whatever comes first. Um, so if I get a last minute request or it's like, Hey, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to the pumpkin patch. It's like, okay, great. You guys have a great time. Um, (laughs) I will not, I will not be at the pumpkin patch because I have work. Um, and I, and I think that's okay to say and to say it without, um, nurturing the guilt around it because sometimes we'll we'll say things like that and you do feel bad you do want to see your kid in a cute costume or with the pumpkin or that sort of thing and that's okay we don't have to sit with the guilt we could just say like oh i'm missing out and move on yeah 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 and i think that like this is the thing when it comes back to that wearing our mummy guilt as a badge of honor. It's mm-hmm. like the fact that you – like if you aren't feeling bad, does that mean like you don't care enough or you're not a good mom? You know, it's like no. 
Mm-hmm. It means that you set a boundary and it's okay. And our compromise is that we're going to sort of recreate the experience as a family this weekend. And we're going to carve our own pumpkins and have our own little, you know, pumpkin celebration. Mm-hmm. And that works within my schedule. It works within his schedule. And we're including more family members. It's becoming like a whole little celebration. And, and that is a compromise for us and it worked and I didn't have to feel guilty and we all could keep our routines and priorities. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that when talking about setting boundaries, it leads to this whole wanting to please others and keep other people happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So we avoid conflict or we don't like the discomfort, like me saying no in that moment and setting a boundary saying mommy has to work could lead to like a little bit of a meltdown or could lead to some sort of like conflict or tension or discomfort of letting the other person down or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and then it's how we navigate that and knowing how to sit with those uncomfortable feelings and that tension that comes up, because that's what so many people are afraid of when setting boundaries is like, I'm going to let this other person down. They're going to be mad at me. They're going to hate me. They're going to throw a tantrum. They're going to all, all the things. And like, how do they sit with that discomfort or like you said, that guilt or whatever? We're anticipating something that hasn't happened. So there is no guarantee that people will like be so upset. They'll be mad at us. They won't forgive us. These are all like anxieties that we have about setting boundaries. And what I like to to say, because I've seen this in 90% of cases, people don't respond in this aggressive way that we're anticipating. They usually say, okay, like you're not, if you, if you communicate your boundary in an assertive way, they're not going to respond and go off. Uh, But that's our fear. We think we'll lose a relationship because we've said, Hey, I don't want a cloth diaper. That will not ruin your relationship. Right. Uh, but I th- in our heads, it's like, oh, my gosh, if I told this person I don't want a cloth diaper, they're going to be very mad at me. And it's mm. like, no, no, they would just say, OK. And right. that would be the end of that conversation. Um, there are some cases where people will get very upset and they will cut you off and they will get mad. In those cases, that's typically an indicator that you've waited a very long time to set a boundary to the point of it being some toxicity in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But when we are um, setting boundaries in healthy relationships, the response is usually pretty amicable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about it's all in, like you said, the delivery. Like if I'm telling another mom who is asking to go on a play date or asking for some sort of commitment from me and I say, like, I'm really sorry, we've got a lot of things on the go this weekend and any other thing I add is like a direct takeaway from any of our our quality family time. Like we don't have any time together this weekend or whatever. Like another like mom to mom is going to understand that assertive boundary. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if it's if it's delivered in like an assertive, sincere way, it's like I I find people get more frustrated when we're kind of skirting around and dancing. And like you said, not answering immediately, not giving straight answers. Mm -hmm. They're trying to like get a head count for an event and they're trying to factor you in and you're unsure and you don't know. And like those are the types of situations, like you said, when you delay it, that cause more frustration than if they had just had a straight up like, no, this doesn't work. Up, up front and in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to consider uncertainty a no. 
when I um, request something of someone and I say, hey, can you come over and help me move? And they delay. I say, that's okay. Sounds like a no. (laughs) Because I think a yes is a yes. And I think a maybe is a no and a no is a no. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think lots of times we're like trying to figure out this stuff and it's okay. I'm I'm never offended when someone's like, oh no, I can't come to dinner with you on that day. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's fine. We'll have another day. Now, if you tell me every time I invite you, that might be a problem. And again, I can communicate my boundary. It's my expectation for you as a friend that on occasion you say yes. Um, so right. I can communicate my boundary, but just being told no, um, that doesn't disrupt, um, my day or what I'm doing. And if you want other people to, um, be okay with you saying no, you have to be able to accept someone saying no to you. That's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like being able to set that boundary, like like it feels like when you're saying, if I'm hearing from somebody uncertainty or a maybe, I'm taking that as a no. Like that's you choosing to set the boundary, even for the person who might have a hard time setting their own boundary. Mm-hmm, Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's usually what it is. Like they're trying to figure out how can I squeeze this in? And I'm like, nope, I don't want you to. So I don't want you because I don't want you to come and, you know, maybe help me with this thing. And you're like frustrated all over the place, overwhelmed because you know, that's okay. We can plan for another day where you don't have anything going on. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So like setting boundaries, like, and again, it brings me back to the beginning of our conversation is there's no like X, Y, Z plus whatever equals healthy boundaries. It's like this fluid thing that you learn to navigate in your relationships. And I think that our relationships are, uh, you know, the best place to practice these things with our close friends and people who we're close with, who are supportive and loving and understanding um, and who receive our like feedback and stuff. These are some of the safest places if we have those relationships to start practicing asserting ourselves in a, in a kind and tactful way and practicing setting those boundaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This is such a great conversation for for new moms, but just in general, I think that boundaries are one of those things that uh, people struggle with. And I certainly, as a mom, can feel the pressure to need to do all the things and can struggle with at times. So I so appreciate you being here, Nedra. And where can people find you? Where are you hanging out online? We talked about your Instagram. What kind of resources do you have for people who might not be in, in Charlotte, in North Carolina, where you are? So we mentioned Instagram. That is the best place to find me. And on Instagram, I am at Nedra Tawab. My website has some resources on it as well. I have a blog where you can kind of search my Instagram post. And my website is www.nedratawab.com. So the best place to find me will be Instagram. And I certainly post and I keep people updated on everything that's going on. Um, I have a resource that I just love to share with your audience. 
Yeah, of course. So Baby Proofing Your Marriage, I think, is a wonderful book to help um, new moms or moms who may be thinking about having more kids. Um, I read this book maybe about six years ago, and I remember reading like the portion of the book about in-laws, and it was very helpful for helping you to carve out your parenting values. And they offered some really great tips about how to communicate those values to your in-laws, how to get on the same page with your partner to communicate those values, because it's so important um, that your parenting in the way that um, you and your partner agree to and not, you know, the world. So um, I think that book is really good, Baby Proofing Your Marriage, and we can just insert Baby Proofing Your Relationship. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. I will definitely, um, any of the resources or things that we've talked about today and all of your contact information and everything is going to be in the show notes. So for those listening, if you actually just open up the description in whatever podcasting app you're listening to, the link for the show notes is right there. You can click through and you'll find all of Nedra's contact information, or you can search her right on Instagram, uh, and we'll link any of, of the resources in the show notes there. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. I've loved and appreciate this conversation so much. And I encourage you all to go and find Nedra. I love your stories too, by the way, and like all the question boxes and things that you ask. I'm always like checking in and, you know, (laughs) submitting my answers and whatever. You must get so many responses, but. I do. And it's, it's really a fun way to build community. So um, if you do not follow me on Instagram, I definitely try to create a very interactive space. And even the things I post, I try to create some sort of conversation around those things, because again, I believe in community and I believe that, um, you know, the more resources about mental health and healthy relationships, um, the better. And I think it's just really helpful for people to um, see this stuff on a platform like Instagram for free. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's really helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate you showing up in this space. And I know as someone who curates an Instagram feed, how much time and thought goes into that. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the time and effort that you put in and that you show up and you provide for people in this way. So thank you so much. And thank you again for joining us today. You're welcome. can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option.
option for everything i desire is already mine what if you can have it all because every day is for the girls hello hello welcome to for the girls podcast hosted by victoria alario for the girls who want more listening to for the girls will have you ready to raise the bar stop settling for the bare minimum and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.